0: Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. This morning we're going to go into the book of Luke and uh, go back in our journey into this book that Luke has written uh, about... uh, about his gospel and about things that have been accomplished among us, as he said in the early part of the book. Um, But before we go into that, uh, let me just go before the Lord and pray and ask him to give us wisdom this morning and ears to hear and and me to have a mouth to speak his word. So let's pray before our Lord. Father God, we thank you so much that uh, we, as we just sang, can be childs of you, children of you loved us, that you've done something miraculous in looking at our our brokenness, our sin, our shame, our pain, and you stepped out into the world to become a child yourself, that you came to be like one of us, both fully God and yet also fully man, experiencing all Ask this morning that as we open your word, as we hear this encounter between Gabriel, who's at your, in front of your throne, and and Mary, a young girl, that we can listen wisely and ask, Lord, what do you have for me in this? What do I need to trust you with this morning? Speak to our hearts, make This morning we're going to go to Luke 1 and uh, we're going to read verses 26 through 38 in just a moment. Um, But before we go there, as we think about Luke and and now he's going to give us this account of Mary, uh, a story that that you you normally hear at Christmas time, a story where you think this is a good Christmas story. I actually kind of find it funny because if you think about it, this is actually the perfect time to read this story. Uh, Christmas is 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 actually nine months away, and so if we assume that Jesus was like one of us, that uh, he would have this announcement would have been nine months before Christmas time, sometime in there. So this is an appropriate time to start thinking about Christmas and what God has has done. We're going to journey through these familiar stories over the next few weeks, but throughout these stories, because it's not Christmas time, because it's not. Uh, you know, Christmas carols, and it's not shopping malls and everything like that, I, I hope to maybe bring out some other things that we might not notice or might not hear otherwise at that time of year. And this account this morning of Mary and her interaction, the announcement of a son, is one where I want to believe and to look at Mary as being an early adopter to the gospel. This message this morning is the gospel and its earliest adopter. Uh, we know that term, early adopters, usually it comes with technology. Those who, who, who look and, and see a company that says, uh, you have a problem, we have something to is, solve that problem. They early adopters are on the front edge of, of that technology, of that device, whether it be a phone or, or maybe it be something, uh, a piece of farm equipment or, or whatever it might be to help with the, the problem that we have. An early adopter buys in early and believes that this device will actually solve the problem that's ahead. And this morning, as we come into this store, we need to see that we have a, a sin problem, that God is, is distant from the people, and that he's far off, and that they need to be restored to him. Last week, we saw the story of Zechariah and God uh, announcing that he's going to initiate his plans. This more this week, we're going to get a little bit more of... Uh, that unfolding and, and the bigger plan that God is unfolding. Mary, who is going to be one of the key participants in the story this morning, we could see that she adopts faith. That's kind of the lesson that I want to pull out of this this morning, is that she adopts faith in this message of a child that's going to come. And as one pastor mentions of her, she really becomes the first Christian. She doesn't know what her son is going to go through. She's not given all the details of his death and his resurrection, but she willingly submits to the plan that God has ahead of her. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at Mary, a little bit of the gospel and how she is the one that has first faith in what God is doing. So join me as we look at Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, This story of Mary and Gabriel uh, as they interact. this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name jesus he will be great he will be called son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end mary said to the angel I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, It be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The story of Mary interacting, coming with, encounter with Gabriel, this angel, the story starts off with uh, in the sixth month, and that is a benchmark that connects it to the last story, that this is connected with what Gabriel has already announced to Zechariah, and this is, again, the further unfolding of God's plan. Six months later, in uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel then came to Mary. It actually says Gabriel was sent from God before uh, Gabriel just showed up, but here, this story says that from God's throne room, from the place where God was, Gabriel was sent. It's as if God is saying to Gabriel, go over there and initiate this plan. Tell the people, tell Mary about what I'm about to do. God says go, and he goes. And if we didn't know this story, we would hear Gabriel the angel sent from God, and we'd think, oh great, he's going to go to someplace really fancy, someplace really great, uh, uh, like Rome, or he's going to go to another famous city of its day that's not the case. Luke continues on to say that he goes to to Galilee, to a a region, and he goes to a town named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, we know, is even referred to by, by, in the rest of the Gospels, and with people asking, can anything good come from this town, this backwater, we could even use the word podunk town, that's in the middle of nowhere? Why is God going there? It's interesting because he says that that if you don't know where Nazareth is, it's in Galilee. It's as if he's saying, most people who are my readers probably don't even know that this dot, this tiny town, lies on the map. It's in Galilee. Go look at that map. And he goes to a virgin, to one who is betrothed or legally promised to Joseph. These are the things that we are familiar with. And it says Joseph is from the house of David, which is just a little foreshadowing of what we're going to find. Few verses down below when it talks about the kingdom and, and who this child is going to be, what he's going to do. The important thing for us this morning that I want to recognize as we read through this story is it's really an account of dialogue between two people, Gabriel and Mary. Gabriel offers part of the message, and Mary is going to react, and so we see this back and forth. and And, and it, my points, or the things that you'll see come up on the screen, uh, are kind of this back and forth, Gabriel, Mary, Gabriel, Mary, and and really Gabriel's just presenting what God has, so it's God and Mary, God and Mary, as we go through. These things are going to see Mary responding, and and usually it's just a short one-liner, but we gain so much information, not just about her, but I think the human condition in the midst of this great unfolding first thing that we see in this story is that gabriel comes and he the same gabriel who brought fear to zachariah comes and gives a greeting to mary and in that greeting we see god delivering a greeting and grace he's delivering it to mary to a person to a a a girl 28. Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. There's a three-part greeting there. Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. The first is, is greetings, and, and that might strike you as just like a normal saying, oh, hi, hello, how are you? But that word, if you unpack it, has a little bit more of this tone of rejoice. There, there should be an excitement. There's a, a, a just a, a, a Thrill of what is coming off of Gabriel's lips. The word is exciting because Gabriel is announcing the thing that they've longed to speak of. The things that the Bible says angels long to look into. God's unfolding plan. His mission to the world. And Gabriel is the one who gets the, the great joy of going before God, or before Mary, and saying, Mary, do you know what's about to happen? And, and God is about to use you for His mission. This is worth rejoicing in. But then he goes on. And he says, You are a favored one. He labels her, titles her. He says, favored one. Or or the word behind that is the idea of grace. One who has been given grace. Grace has come upon you. Now, now what is grace? We we know that it's not just someone who is graceful, who has has graceful moves. Grace is this idea of a gift something that is given to us and and laid upon us that we don't deserve. We haven't earned. If someone gives you a present and it's not your birthday, you say, oh, what is this grace that you are giving to me? Why? I didn't deserve this. Sometimes through the years of the church, this passage, O favored one, has been interpreted to suggest that, that Mary was full of grace, but now uh, there's an understanding that that's maybe not what it is. It wasn't that Mary was full of grace, but that grace was being put upon her. It's not that she carries any special grace, that she herself is full of something that that, that can be poured out to others, but instead God is pouring, showering on this young girl, great grace. to the Lord. It's not because she's earned it. She has been given God's favor. And She says, and he says, Gabriel says in that, the Lord is with you. The Lord is going to be with you in this next stage. He's going to walk with you. He's going to uh, remember you. He's thinking of you now. This is to say that he hasn't forgotten you, Mary, as you're here in your life. He is thinking about you, and, and he is going with you through this life. is where we're going to run into our first reaction. God is pouring out grace. He's pouring out a greeting and saying, I have found favor, I love you, I'm thinking about you, and I want to do something with you, and we now are going to see Mary's reaction. Which, as the slide is going to come up in a moment, I have intentionally, I haven't put her name into this slide because I think that as we see what is happening here, these are things that not only Mary has to is reacting, but these are things from our own condition that as we encounter the gospel, we ourselves have to deal with these. We react in similar ways to God's hope of the gospel. And the first thing that we see her dealing with is she has to wrestle with God's grace towards her or towards us. She wrestles with... Look at verse 29. It says, But Mary, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She has to consider, ponder, uh, the other words There are troubled and dis- uh, perplexed that she's wondering about what this means. She doesn't get it. It's, it's as if something is being said to her and there's, they're, they're just not on the same page. There's something that's not clicking for her. We need to think, Mary, this is good news. You're going to be favored. God is with you. In our own terms, we'd be like, that's great. Why aren't you just getting excited? Why, Why are you so troubled by this message? You should just be excited. This is good stuff. God is with you. Why are you struggling with this good, good news? We might think, well, maybe it's because Striking kind of a fear in her, but but actually the the connection is that she's troubled by the message. She's troubled by what he has to say. She doesn't get it. She's she's wrestling with it. And she's she's dealing with it, and, and and it's kind of going over. And she's I, I don't know how to accept this message that God the angel is giving to me. And I'll just remind us here that at this point nothing has been said about a child. Nothing has been said about a virgin birth. Nothing has been said about this kid that you're going to have, that he's going to be a king. Nothing about the baby has been mentioned. It's just God is giving you grace. And she has trouble with that. It's hard for her to understand the favor of God towards her. She has to wander and wrestle with that that might be. First, we have to acknowledge that Mary's cultural status of the day was super low. I, I mean, she's a, a young girl. She's unmarried, which means she really has no rights. And, and, and she just, culturally, she's insignificant in this uh, the grand scheme of things. She, she really has... No thing about her that that she would say, why would God come to me and show me favor? She's low person on the totem pole, and yet God is choosing to come to her. There's a status issue here. Why would God love and walk with me? I'm a nobody. I wonder how many times we ask ourselves that. Why would God love me? I'm not anyone special. Why would God use me? I'm not anyone worthy. Why would he show favor on me? More than that, we can ask uh, that, or think that that within Mary as a person, as this young girl, there also might be, as God approaches her and this angel comes to her, there may be shame in her. By that, I'm suggesting that Mary was a human. Mary was not a a superhuman, as some would like to think of her, but she was a girl. She was born of man. She had the same issues, the same sin problem that you and I did. and a Savior. And if she's a good, especially good Jewish girl, she would know that God is one that requires sacrifice. He requires a proper coming before Him. And yet God instead is saying, I am going to come to you and use you. I'm going to show you my grace, my favor. Even though you have broken favor with me. I'm nothing special. I miss the mark time and time again. And it goes on to this third idea, which is that I didn't do anything special to deserve this. I didn't earn this. I I, I don't understand grace because I haven't given it back. And there's this wrestling of not understanding. Why would God choose me and show favor to me? Because I haven't done anything. I think those are all things that we can wrestle with ourselves, that we can struggle through and, and, and like Mary, react. And as we, we deal and hear God's grace for us, we should kind of have this, I don't get it, I don't deserve it. Why would God love me in a wrestling match with grace? We have very little to offer God. And if this is the... Point The front edge of the gospel, which is ultimately going to lead towards Jesus dying for our sins, rising again, and restoring our relationship with God. We need to ourselves sit there and wrestle with this grace because we realize that when it comes to the gospel message, as I've heard it said by pastors before, all that we give, all that we have to offer when it comes to the cross and what Jesus did is our sin. That's the only thing we have to offer is the sin that made it necessary for him to come grace? Why would God show me grace? Why would God show me love? I'm not anyone important if, if people knew my thoughts, if they knew what went on in here and what went on here, they would not say you don't deserve God's favor and God's grace. And so we should struggle a little bit with this because we need to be in awe of the fact that God would choose to love and show us favor like He did with Mary. That He would step into a young girl's life Say, you have found favor with me. Mary, I am walking with you. That leads us to the next point, which is this morning that God's plan of redemption and reign through a child is beginning to be revealed. He's going to lay this out and start to speak gospel news to her. He's going to speak good news to this girl. That he's going to redeem and he's going to reign. That he's going to be both Savior and Lord over creation. And it's all going to happen through this child. Look at verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Interesting that he reiterates that point, right? often do we need to hear again, You've found favor, because even though I said it two seconds ago, you may have forgotten. (laughs) Do not fear, Mary, you've found favor with God really big unfolding of what is about to happen. Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. That name that's above every other name. It says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his, and of his kingdom there will be Story, the angel's message continues on and it starts to move I mean, towards the fact that God is going to do something. I imagine Gabriel is excited to present this news to Mary, and he's saying, Mary, what is about to happen is going to be big since the creation of time, since Adam and Eve broke covenant with God and sin entered in, and God promised that a seed of the woman would come to crush the enemy. Here it is. This is what it's happening. The seed of the woman is about to. Enter into the world. A child. It's going to be big. Draw your attention. You will become pregnant, Mary. You will bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. Another way to say it is, Mary, God's already named your son. He's already named him because names matter in this day. And and Jesus' name means the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. He's suggesting that this child is going to be connected with the salvation of Of mankind God's going to remember his people His promises, everything that he said In the Old Testament It's all going to come to a focal point here As Mary is going to have This child within her His name, Jesus This child who is going to be born within you Or is going to be in your womb And conceived there And then is going to be born and named He's going to be one that we need to trust That God is thinking about his Redemption plan. So he's going to be Savior. He's going to be the Redeemer. And then he goes on to 32, and not just say that he's going to save people, but that he is going to reign. There it goes on to speak more about this baby, that this baby born of this, this nobody from Nazareth, this young girl, is going to have a throne. He's going to be a king. He's going to be one that he will never reign. in this passage, if you were to go and do a short study of it, there are all sorts of Old Testament passages that are being alluded to here and connected to here. And the biggest one is that promise to David. 2 Samuel 7 and senior readings for this week. God promised that this one would come. A child who would sit on David's throne forever. where his kingdom would never come to an end. David was promised that. And here Mary is going to Joseph is going to be her husband. Joseph is going to be the adopted father of Jesus, and that will draw him into this line which he will fulfill the promise, the covenant to David. But what's more is that it's not just that this is a son. Obviously he will not be born of Joseph. It will not be the seed of Joseph that will have this one, but instead he will be great and he will be called the son of the Most High. And down below in verse 35 it says the child will Son of God. It's not just that this child is fully man, but he is also, because of God's work, he is going to be fully God. He is going to be both divine and human, and that balance is going to be one, which is going to be the worthy uh, one who will come and redeem and reign over God's people. This is the Son of the Most High who is coming into uh, Mary's life. Mary is going to be the caretaker for, as the mother of Let's just pause here for a moment and consider Think about Mary Young girl Nobody special She's the first one to hear of the gospel She's the first one to hear of this great hope And it's delivered to her From no greater messenger than an angel I mean you and I can go share the gospel And we can say like like Well we're just people But but if the angel is the one that's delivering the message You would definitely think that she'd be like "Yep, I get it I'm trusting I'm putting faith in it right away amazing that she gets this gospel message right off the bat. Your child is going to reign. He's going to be the ruler over God's people. He's going to save them. It's a message that we hear over and over again and probably get a little bit uh, softened by. We, we don't think of the wonder of it. We think joy would be abundant in her as she's confronting this gospel message. And the reality is, is that God is showing favor here. Again, he's saying, you have found favor. I'm going to... What's interesting is that that this plan that he's doing, that he's going to it's not as if Jesus was just going to come out of the sky and just show up on the scene. No, he is going to use a woman, a sinner, a broken person to make his plan come forward, one who needed God's grace as much as you or I would. And so we see another reaction of Mary. Verse thirty four. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? She, she doubts about God's unthinkable plan. She, she can't comprehend this unimaginable event, this thing that seems outside the box. How will this be, she questions the angels. She points to the fact that she's never been with a man. and, and probably, uh, That's a more literal translation, I have not been with Joseph yet. I'm betrothed, I'm engaged, but I haven't been intimate with him. Now Mary's not stupid. Someone along the way has given Mary the talk of the birds and the bees. She gets it. And she knows that babies don't just come from the storks. They're delivered by a certain way. And she says that doesn't fit the mold. There's this sense that this is going to happen immediately, and Mary says that can't happen. It's just not possible that God could use me in this way because other things have not occurred. But as Mary is, is pressing in, as she's, as she's thinking about this, she's, she's questioning God's plan even and saying, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. And, and we're reminded of Zachariah's question last week where he says, how will I know for sure, or how will I know for certainty or with certainty that you are going to make this happen? Mary is asking, how can this happen? Zechariah was asking, how will I know? There's a small difference in this reaction as Mary is, is asking this question. She says, this doesn't make sense. This is outside the creator order. Zachariah's question was more of, I want you to eliminate faith. I, I want you to take away uh, the, the, the element of me having to trust you with it. Mary's just saying, I don't get it. Help me to understand it. Help, help me to see that this plan, how you're going to make this come about. I appreciate uh, Tim Keller who, who, in the message that he kind of gave on this, he, he, he points out to his congregation. He says, he says, many in our world as Christians and as religion, religious people say, we're not supposed to doubt. We're supposed to have all the answers. We're not supposed to question God. We're not supposed to go before him with these things. But he says, that's not the case. Here's an example of, of Mary herself questioning God's plan. Not in a way of, uh, of trying to be over it, but just saying, God, it doesn't make sense to me. Zechariah's question is more of, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I can't, help me so I don't have to just trust blindly. Mary's question is, help me to understand how this is going to happen. I don't understand, I can't comprehend my mind, can't wrap my mind. God, how is that possible? I don't know how that works, and, and can I really trust that it will work? Something like the virgin birth might be that. How can I believe that this actually happened? How can I, how can I believe later on that a dead man would be raised back to life? How can I, how can I trust? I, I can't comprehend that Jesus, you're going to come back again someday. Or maybe it's something more practical to deal with every day, a little bit more uh, of routine. Lord, how is it that you actually hear my prayer? Lord, how is it that, that that this word as I read it that you're going to change and transform my life? How can I really can I really trust that this is going to be the thing that that speaks to my my heart? Or I think with Revive Minnesota coming up. Some of you might be saying I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go participate in this because in your mind you're saying I'm just like Mary, I'm just a nobody. How could God actually use me to bring someone new life? birth? How could he actually use me for his mission? I'm just a broken person. How could he actually use me? But yet he does. That's what his word says. That he uses us and works through us to proclaim and bring his message out. To work his unthinkable mission, his plan of redemption and reign out in the world. Which moves us to the explosion here. responds, this Holy Spirit, this power, this un, this kind of forgotten about member of the Trinity. It, it, he will come. And, and it's interesting that we for, kind of forget about the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, we think about God the Father and we know Jesus and we, we forget about the Spirit sometimes. But what's interesting is the Spirit is the one who's the mover and the shaker throughout the entire Bible. He's the one that empowers these types of crazy things to happen. He, he says the Spirit is going to come and work in you, Mary, and through you, Mary. And, and I don't know how it all shaked out, how it all came down, but he says the same power that, that Genesis 1, we go back there, the same power, the Spirit that hovered over the earth and helped create all of creation, that same power is going to come and create something in you, a child miraculously. The same Spirit that made the waters part in the Exodus, that same power that, that brought the people out to their freedom, that is going to be the spirit that brings the way to freedom within you. The same power that, that brought down the walls of Jericho is going to create in you one who will bring down the walls, the separation, the enemies of God to bring us back. The same spirit that caused a pagan king named Cyrus to restore God's people back to their land, back to where they belonged. Is going to be the same power that comes and initiates an act that will bring God's people back to their God. We could add that it's the same Spirit that would raise Jesus from the dead, and it's the same Spirit that would uh, bring thousands to God in the Book of Acts. He says, "Mary, that Spirit that Mary is go- that that Spirit is going to come and and do something to you. He's going to overshadow you, and he's going to create this child in you." Again, we don't know how it played out. We we don't know when it happened. Some some say that it happened right there immediately, that as he said this, the the shadow of that cloud overcame them. Some think it happened later after the angel departed. We don't know. We also don't know what it was like. I guess I had always thought that maybe it happened in her sleep as I grew up and heard this story, but as one commentator mentions, and it's kind of made me chew on this a little bit, says that it's it's hard to imagine that Mary just not that this happening and Mary not noticing that even this story as it's probably accounted for by Mary there's some element of her uh, reminded of the fact that this actually happened imagine the power of the Almighty that power that that overshadowing presence that came over the tabernacle when God would show up or or that later on in this book of Luke that, that it's going to come like a cloud and the disciples are going to be uncertain how to react to it as they step into it that Mary would have gone through life without noticing God is going to show up in later, I, I don't know that many of us have had this overshadowing cloud over our heads show up and we've said, oh that's God, but I do think that that spirit who came at Pentecost that spirit who indwells believers who, gathered, who comes and is gathered with us here in this place is working things out through us in the world that he shows up and he still works in and through us for his plan, for his mission of Galatians it's called the fruit of the spirit all things that are good everything that's produced for God's plan for his mission, it's produced by the spirit that works out through us just like it was going to work out through Mary and this plan this overshadowing, this uh, crazy event of a child being born within her moves to Mary's final Action of acceptance and submission to God's mission. Look at verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it to be to me according to your word. This passage, which is on the opening end of the gospel, the opening end of what God is doing in his plan is a message to Mary. And I think that this this verse, in the midst of the the great story that we have here, maybe gets overshadowed itself. The significance of it goes unnoticed. The fact that Luke lands with this verse in in his narrative before the angel departs, uh, I think the the emphasis should really be down here. Mary's reaction. She's one that's that's been shown favor by God going to be participant in his mission. And now how does she react? She's an early adopter. Mary is the one, again, as I said, she's being given this grace by God. God is coming to her and showing her grace, and she, in the end, accepts by faith. She accepts this proclaimed word from the angel, this gospel news, and she says, I trust it. I submit to it I'm a servant of it God's word revealed I'm going to trust that it is true I'm going to press on And live and there might be things that I don't know And understand but I am going to Submit and be the servant of the Lord He says God let your word Be according to me Let it be as you say I couldn't help This week as I read this passage Again, verses 1 through 10. Uh, that's there for you to study and consider. But I want to read verses 8 through 9. Verses 8 through 9 are, are familiar to us. Or 8 and 9 are familiar to us. For by grace you have been saved. Grace, favor, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Mary is given grace, and she, in faith, trusts this good news. She is the one that has been created for this great task, which we'll see in the weeks to come. She has been blessed, and all the generations will call her blessed, because she got this opportunity. But it was by grace and faith that she stepped into this account, that she stepped into this great task. This mission that she would be a part of. As we consider this this morning, I want us to consider ourselves that that God, I believe, is using us in the same way. That by faith, through his grace, we too are like Mary. We may have doubts in his gospel. But ultimately we come to this calling to accept and say, God, I am trusting your plan. I I am part of your mission. I want to submit to you and call you my Savior, my Lord, and you direct my plan. I want to listen to the Spirit as it guides and directs in this life. We probably won't see a virgin birth. We won't see it again. But I do think that in the same way that Mary was used miraculously, God can use us as we trust in this gospel. As we step into this plan that Mary took on as her own, this gospel good news message. So this week, as we go off from here, we we want to ask ourselves, Lord, this is, this is good news. How will you use this in my life? What are you calling me to respond to? What are you calling me to trust and accept and, and step into faith? And say, I don't get it all. his mission, God is going to bring these things out and we're going to say, will I doubt or will I turn like Mary in the end and accept God's mission? Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much this morning. Step out from your kingdom, your glory. And like the angel, you greet us with gospel hope and say, greetings. I want to show you my favor. I am walking with you. I want to uh, use you for my mission. I want to do something miraculous in you. brokenness in our sin, we, we know that we deserve punishment. We deserve your wrath, not deserve your grace and your love, but you give that to us. And it all comes through this one, this child, Jesus, who would ultimately go to the cross for us to restore us so that our sins can be forgiven, that we can be restored in you, and so that we accept whatever you have in us by faith and trust that you will use us you've called us to